The year is 1992. I'm Dave. I'm Matt. And this is My Marvelous Year. Spawn Special Edition. This is a 1992 variant episode. We're going to do a special episode here today where we talk all things Image Comics Spawn by Todd McFarlane. I'm Dave, the founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by resident Spawn expert for this month at least, Matt Draper. Uh, Matt, how's it going? Oh, it's great. My necroplasm is a. Uh, I've recovered a little bit of it recently, thanks to um, bathing in worms. But you wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't know about that yet. But uh, you know, got my chains wrapped around me. Uh, right, got my K seven right. Letha uh, necroplasm costume pulled down, so you can see my face right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that was polite. And mm-hmm. just uh, just hanging out here in Rat City, coming coming Rat at you City, live baby. from Rat City. That's right. So we had set on the My Marvelous Year Patreon channel, thanks to all of you who support us over at patreon.com slash My Marvelous Year, we had uh, sp- covering Spawn, Todd McFarlane Spawn, the Image Comics hit, kind of a, a definitive 90s series as one of our goals that Zach and I were going to read and discuss. And uh, we're just shy of that goal, so honestly, we're close enough. We're going to do it anyway. And the reason we're hitting you with this Spawn episode, this very special edition so soon, is that Zach's uh, computer has been hijacked by Ultron. Uh, Zach's computer has been hijacked by Ultron. (laughs) It does contain uh, the three upcoming My Marvelous Year episodes, um, two of which are with really, really cool guests. Uh, Really, really cool guests that Zach did a show with. Uh, so he told me uh, while I was out on paternity leave. But because we're missing uh, an episode for this week, I got Matt on the Spawn phone. Uh, it's very much like the bat <laughs> signal, but it's just me um, hitting a chain against my desk until Matt uh, replies to Twitter, which is <laughs> which is extremely useful. And uh, we're going to do a Spawn special. So in 1992, we've talked a ton about this in my mother's year, the Image Comics Exodus, right? All these big-name, uh, generally art-focused creators – Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, et cetera, et cetera, jumping and founding Image Comics, right? And the biggest series to come out of that from probably the biggest artist of the bunch. You could argue Jim Lee versus Todd McFarlane in Mm. terms of presence, but McFarlane had been doing it for the longest and, and was pretty clearly a leader of this group, right? If you mm-hmm. if you listen to interviews with the the gang. Um Todd McFarlane Spawn launches in nineteen ninety two. Now Matt, I had never read a single issue of Spawn. That's why we set it as a goal. Uh, I read the first 18 issues. I read the first yeah. 18 issues, and I, I watched some uh, documentaries about Tom McFarlane. Mm-hmm. What was your Spawn experience prior to uh, the massive deep dive you just did, and, and how <laughs> deep of a dive did you do? Uh, the the dive was too deep, to be honest. Uh, but <laughs> um, my backstory with Spawn is that it, it's a character that I've known for a long time. Um, sort of, I, I was never really into him. Um, when Spawn started, I was really, really young, so seeing Spawn like on the newsstands was like, oh, that's too scary and too creepy for me, like, because mm-hmm. it's got like this like faux horror sort of sheen to it, you know, the gritty, yeah. uh, edgy uh, '90s look to it. Um, 
when you read it now. It's very much not that. But so I never really got into him that much. Uh, I saw the Spawn movie like on video a couple years after it came out. Um, I'd seen a little bit of the animated series. I'd read a little bit of the comics. So I was always like aware. And there have been times over the years where I've read a little bit more and looked at more Spawn because just my curiosity would get the better of me because Spawn is this, you know, sort of giant figure in comic book history. And then recently, um, for my YouTube channel, I, I hit a Patreon goal that forced me to talk about Spawn. Um, mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. what, I, <laughs> to, to be completely honest, I had a goal, I wanted to set a goal, and I'd been so vocal about how I would never do a video about Spawn. P.S., but you could make me. Uh, so, <laughs> a nice incentive to kind of bump up the patrons a little bit, you know, and, and that happened. There's a lot of people that like Spawn or at least interested in it. So to do it, I... Uh, read a hundred issues of Spawn. <laughs> mm. uh, I watched the entire animated series. I rewatched the movie, and I did a ton of of research about about Spawn and Todd McFarlane and his history and Image's history um, to make this video. And uh, it was a enjoyable but often torturous uh, journey. I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, perfect. That that all sounds excellent for what we're going to be talking about. I. Even just reading the first 18 issues. Mm-hmm. So, again, Spawn launches Spawn number one in 1992. Um, the first 18 is probably going to take us maybe into 1994. Mm-hmm. And even just reading those through the the first, you know, kind of three Spawn Origins collections, um, I realized that, like, I wasn't into the comics. I, I didn't think they were objectively ever good, but I was <laughs> always kind of fascinated. Mm-hmm. And um, I was never... I was never like mad at them. I was always like, I totally get what you're trying to do. I'm completely on board with it. I kind of just wish Todd McFarlane was a better plotter. Like mm-hmm. I wish he could plot story better because <laughs> he if, he could, if, if he had well. that skill, because here's the thing is like Todd McFarlane doesn't need my support in the no. year 2021, right? Dude's done amazing, amazingly well. Like it is really a cultural force like like his success is is fascinating to me mm-hmm. um but his creation spawn his you know coming off of on the marvel side which we've read in the club like his incredible hulk he shows up and boom incredible hulk's amazing right it looks better than it ever ha- not better than it ever has but like some of the best stuff we'd seen in so long with peter david it's great then he goes to spider-man and boom spider-man arguably literally the best it's ever looked right and mm-hmm. you got your dicko heads and your romita heads but nonetheless like mcfarlane spider-man is huge so of course at this point He's he's got the popularity to go and found an image and have Spawn be one of the best selling comics of the entire nineties. Like if you yeah. go year by year through Comic Con sales, it's amazing mm-hmm. how well Spawn does. I mean, oh, it yeah. is in the top ten or top twenty every single year. But back to my original point, in terms of the quality of the Spawn comics, they look amazing. They yes. look great. Todd McFarlane is such a good artist. He has such a keen eye for visuals he has such a distinct sense of pacing it's just a shame that he takes he's like this weird mashup of chris claremont and frank miller Mm. but all their only their worst impulses (laughs) and that's his writing style and it's it spawn every time a co-writer steps in and we can talk about this a little bit because one of the magic tricks of these first 18 issues of spawn is is the co-writers that mcfarland ropes in he gets alan moore he gets neil gaiman is dave sim who at the time was not publicly the most notorious misogynist in comics. <laughs> um, and uh, and and who else? And Graham Morrison. And probably another one I'm forgetting. Frank Miller. And he gets them. And Frank Miller. Of course, he gets them to basically do the work 
yeah. build the world <laughs> for him in a way that he kind of just couldn't. Um, I, am I being too harsh on McFarlane's original, uh, you know, design for the universe of Spawn? And I guess actually maybe more importantly, how would you describe to folks who have never read a Spawn comic like myself going into this? Like, what is what is Spawn? What is the point of Spawn? Uh, why oh, why do people? Why is he so big? Why do people care? Well, I think it's because he looks cool. And I don't think yeah. that you're being too harsh because you read the first 18 issues and I, it doesn't get any better from there. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think mm-hmm. it gets worse because then he's basically on his own for the rest of that. Um, and you don't get those bright spots, at least not for a while, because he does hire some people to start co-writing and then eventually just writing while he's off taking care of the Spawn Empire. Um, and he stops drawing, too, uh, which is, is fascinating is that yeah. the appeal of Spawn is Todd McFarlane's art, um, but then Todd McFarlane stops drawing Spawn. Uh, he does bring in Greg Capullo, um, who's an awesome artist. And Capullo was pretty young at this point. This was really early in Capullo's career, but he was already a really... I don't know, he, he had a pretty uh, strong grasp already of his art style. Yeah. Um, he's definitely emulating McFarlane to some degree, um, what with the uh, chains and ragged cape and dark shadows and... He looks a little bit different from what you would see in like his uh, Scott Snyder Batman, you know, of the last yeah. decade, um, where he's sort of um, his characters are a little blunter, um, meatier, um, of course, not as gross and gritty because Spawn gets grosser and grosser, actually, as it goes along, because mm-hmm. McFarlane has this slightly cartoony style, too. It's hyper. It's interesting. It's hyper detailed, but it's also cartoony in its um, exaggerated proportions. Um I think that's sort of the appeal of his art, right? And that, like, it isn't realistic at all, but its uh, its its unrealistic nature uh, is given a lot of attention and love and detail. So um, that works really well with with Spider Man. That works really well with Spawn. And so the story of Spawn, I guess we should set it up a little bit, right? Is uh, Al Simmons is a assassin for the United States government. Uh, he was also voted. I believe people's sexiest man of the year. Um, <laughs> do you remember this? <laughs> I missed that detail. Okay, no. he he did save the president's life. He saved. So the he president's has a very life. dramatic uh, hero story before before he becomes Spawn. Yes. Yes, and that's why the public knows him. He was voted people's sexiest man sexiest of the year. Man. All right, yeah, <laughs> the sexiest man alive uh, when he was alive. He would not win that afterward. Um, so he gets betrayed and killed by the government agency that he's working for. And uh, then he strikes a deal with the devil or a type of devil, Malbolgia, from the eighth circle of hell specifically, to come mm-hmm. back uh, to be reunited with his wife, Wanda. Um, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, lots of Wandas in, in this in the TV show, in the movie, someone's always missed saying, opportunity for a crossover. Missed <laughs> opportunity for WandaVision to do a uh, yeah. HBO Spawn animated. That would be episode. amazing. Oh yeah, <laughs> would have been incredible. If they had a second season, I'm sure they would have done it. Um, Still time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he comes back, and what he doesn't know is that he's been turned into a potential soldier in Malbolge's army. He has special powers, and he basically has a Venom costume. Uh, and yeah. he's this undead, hell-powered soldier who doesn't want to work for the devil, uh, but also has like this potential for a lot of evil, and he's kind of an anti-hero. And that's the gist of, of sort of what the comic is about. And yeah. as you were saying, the plot, the plotting is real bad because 
that basically covers the first 50 issues of the comic because nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens. Well, even the, even the first six issues, I, one of the biggest problems I have with McFarlane is he's asking all these questions. And, and it, like you just described, like he's doing a hottest Marvel 90s characters he's mashed them all into spawn right yeah. so it's what if venom was ghost rider but then also he's got wolverine's memory loss and he's punisher because he kills people right like that's right. that's exactly what spawn is um it's funny reading they have in these origin collections they have quotes from mcfarlane in interviews he's done i think with like mark miller's um miller world and some of the quotes are like you know so i just i took things so far like i just i took things like <laughs> with batman killed people and it's like dude that's literally punisher like that's been that's been <laughs> happening like since the late 70s um it is you know but it's so it's not as revolutionary as he thinks but in those first six issues mcfarlane again has this incredible visual aesthetic it's a world it's a comic book you undeniable or i undeniably want to flip through mm -hmm. and sort of see the beats and see the designs and and see the layouts um but he keeps asking you know because al simmons has lost his memory and has resurrected as this hell spawn mm -hmm. he keeps asking questions about what is going on and what am i missing and and but and in doing so he also sort of suggests that the author doesn't know himself like there's never a sense that mcfarlane has a grasp on where this is going in the big world beyond the question Simmons is asking. It's more <laughs> just like mystery without direction. Agreed. And it's not until we get to Alan Moore coming in in the eighth issue where he's like, hey, like, what if I what if I just casually built out all of the circles of hell for you? How about yeah. that? Um, and then Neil Gaiman comes in and does something similar in terms of just like, hey, here's a here's a few cool ideas. Um, it's not until that that the Spawn mythos made any sense to me because mm -hmm. I was reading it just being <laughs> like what I don't aside from the cool aesthetic. Like if you just read those first six issues and you can come away from that and tell me enough about Spawn and the male Bolgia and and these circles of hell and where the heck violators like it, <laughs> I, I just don't think any of that's there. Um, no, and like credit, I suppose, where it's due is McFarlane was such a force to be reckoned with that he had essentially an infinite canvas, at least the first 20, 25 issues, because these things sold unbelievably well, oh, yeah. right? So the audience was there to be like, yeah, we'll wait with you, um, which is which is kind of fascinating. But let's... So the first arc, I think we both agree, is like nothing happens. And <laughs> there's, uh, there's this clown guy who shows up, the violator, um, revealed to be a demon. There's sort of a sense of like, okay, Spawn sold his soul to save his wife, and now he's got to fight some demons or something. But it's it, it's really kind of hollow. And then we get to the second arc, and the second arc is so fascinating to me, both in terms of the content, but probably more in terms of like the strategy and just mm -hmm. where it lands in comics history, where you have Todd McFarlane at the peak of his powers, at the peak of Image Comics, before the downfall, of all of this, yeah, before the stepping crash. in and saying, I, I'm just going to get all the writers that I clearly love and envy, right? And that's one thing you see in, in Tom McFarlane when he gets to take over Spider-Man for Marvel and write and draw it himself, which is his big thing, right? Yeah. For the image is like, he needs that control, he needs that respect, and he needs that. He, he's not like, I, I would never describe McFarlane as like a prima donna. Like, I, I feel mm -hmm. like he wanted pretty like basic things. Like, in terms of pushing for comics creators, right? So like, he's a major major force in yeah. the history of the medium but he gets to this point and he says yeah i'm just gonna get all the coolest writers that i love and envy and i and the thing about him is that that bums me out is like he just can't get to their level he just doesn't have it you know on that specific skill set which is like yeah if you're like an unbeatable businessman 
the one of the world's best comics artists. Like you don't get to do everything. Sorry, Todd. Like you just don't get to have all the skills. Um, but he brings in Almore. He brings in Neil Gaiman. He brings in Dave Sim, and he brings in uh, Frank Miller. And in those issues, all of a sudden, Spawn gets really interesting to me because we get to see all these creators come in, and it's kind of like, it's one of those things. And I'll, I'll throw it to you in a second to, to talk about what you think about the actual content here. But it's one of those things that makes me wonder. Like, I wish creators did that more. Like, I wish creators like built worlds and then invited all the coolest writers. I, I guess Donnie Cates did it somewhat recently with Chip Zdarsky oh, writing an yeah. issue of crossover, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, it's so rare now that we see someone give up that level of control. Um, it, it's kind of brilliant. It's, it's for me, it's the only thing that got me through 18 issues of spawn. There's no <laughs> way I read 18 issues of McFarland red spawn, but all right, enough for me, Matt, what did you think of, of all the the comics talent that McFarlane brings in and what it actually does for the story. Oh yeah, I agree. It totally makes a huge difference early on in those issues. Um, I was reading them also in the Origins collections um, because uh, thankfully, I mean, for you, the first three Origins collections I think are free on Comixology Unlimited. Um, Maybe so. I, I did it on Hoopla. Oh, okay. They got everything so, there, yeah. Yeah, but then, then you got to pay after that. Um, and... So they would say which ones are written by who, like at the start, and then, but not like as you were actually reading. And I yeah, would start yeah, right. reading it and go through and be like, "Hey, wait a second! Like this issue is actually good." And then it's like, "Oh, right, this one isn't written by McFarlane." Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and oh, this... that would have been an interesting experience to not mm-hmm. know that ahead of time, yeah. and to be like, "Hey, Tom, Todd's doing a really good Helen Moore impression. What's happening here?" <laughs> it's and it's the the creators are really really leaning hard into like their shtick too. Like yeah. more is yeah. like talking about like how like messed up the afterlife is and how we're all just pawns in this cosmic game, you know. It's very swamp thing. Yeah, it's very swamp thing. More very, which is interesting because this is one of the only issues that doesn't star uh, Al Simmons as Spawn. It's all focused on yeah. Billy Kincaid, who's this child murderer who's in the early issues. Who, by the way comes back as a ghost and is a factor up through the first hundred <laughs> issues. <laughs> I assume that was the last we had seen of him. No, okay. he comes back. No one, at like no one dies 50. in the Spawn universe, right? No one dies they, in the Spawn universe. They just rest. The okay. only way anyone ever leaves the Spawn universe is if there's some sort of legal issue with them, and then they're gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Gaiman does Medieval Spawn, uh, and mm. Cagliostro, and Angela, who's the Spawn hunter, and totally is doing that like... Uh, Ooh, like uh, mythology in superhero dumb mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And hey, Frank- we, we have lettering in cursive on scrolls. Oh, this so is much. this is very fancy stuff, yeah. right? <laughs> Almost Shakespeare esque. Um, oh, are you saying the game in like Shakespeare? That's I never thought about that before. <laughs> you know, it's something that I, I I've been meaning to write an essay about it and to really put that on paper and get that out in the world. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I haven't. You change comics criticism. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and then Miller is just doing this like hard-boiled brain-dead gang war in the in the yeah. alleys yeah uh which is i think the least of the, the those issues sims is doing this really meta um story that really is all about why todd mcfarland made image and then um morrison is doing this trilogy about the anti-spawn and he mm-hmm. creates this antithesis in heaven to spawn and malvolia uh, and their uh, their work on that is is that's like what 16 17 18 
Uh huh. Because it's the first issues, um, I think, with Greg Capullo coming in on uh, okay. art duties as well. Yeah. And uh, it, the Morrison stuff is is really fascinating because they come in for three issues, mm-hmm. uh, whereas you know everyone else just kind of comes in for a one and done thing. And it also feels the most like, I thought Morrison stuff felt the most like they were emulating and and almost um, fitting in. To mm-hmm. the Spawn universe in a way that the other creators, you know, they they made an effort, but they still felt fairly distinctly like themselves. Yeah. Um, whereas with Morrison, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's that's such a Morrison idea. Like the the anti Spawn and, and kind of coming from this Angel satellite station is definitely something that uh, yeah. <laughs> that is unique and actually delivers like, oh, okay, here's a new idea at least. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it's not especially unique. And and same with Greg, uh, Capullo's art, where it's like. He steps in and it's just like if if I didn't know there was a creative change, I don't know that I even would have caught that it was like not Todd McFarlane, which is yeah. probably the compliment that everybody could have paid him at that time. And I've seen from a lot of Spawn fans, of which there are a gazillion, that uh, Capullo is seen by many as like the definitive Spawn artist because he does it for the longest period of time from that point forward. Oh yeah, I think he he definitely draws more Spawn than uh, McFarlane ever does. Um, yeah, because McFarlane is like. Mostly through issue 25, Capullo comes in earlier in that. And then after 25, pretty spotty. And then at issue 50, he doesn't draw another full issue of Spawn until, like, I want to say, like, 185. And then most sometimes does covers. Um, but what's, in, what's funny about um, Morrison, when this kind of touches on, on something else I want to talk about. So Morrison makes anti-Spawn. And mm-hmm. anti-Spawn is heaven's you know, soldier that they conscript someone into their, their army and fill them with, you know, holy power to destroy the spawn. And he, and, and, uh, heaven picks, um, Jason Wynn and Jason Wynn is like the main and supposed to be one of the main antagonists for spawn because you find out that Jason Wynn is the one that had spawn killed, but spawn doesn't find that out for, for a really long time. Uh, after this, I think, but he's made into anti-spawn. And then you see at the end, they're like, oh, that didn't work. We just got to fill him with more power. Well, after that, McFarlane takes Jason Wynn away from being anti-spawn. And just off screen, he's no longer anti-spawn. And anti-spawn is someone else now, and now he's named Redeemer. So he's technically not a Morrison character anymore after mm. that, which I'm wondering if he did that because, and this is another important thing to talk about, is that Gaiman would later sue McFarlane over the rights to Angela, Medieval Spawn, and Cogliostro. Yeah. Uh, and he sued him for creator rights and basically back pay for royalties for all those characters, saying, I made them for you, and with your creator's rights, like I deserve part of that pay. I, and I think he cost McFarlane millions and millions of dollars. He got Angela and sold Angela to Marvel. And of course, but not until you know 2014, maybe yeah, like so. it was, you know we're talking decades, years and years here of that. Mm-hmm. Whatever the ramifications of that lawsuit, however the stat that stuff plays out exactly, because Angela shows up in the Marvel U, circa I want to say 2014. Yeah, and I, I remember again as someone who is totally Spawn agnostic, right? Mm-hmm. I have no, I have no basis aside from just like, oh yeah, he's less desirable venom um i you know i see angela show up and i was like why is this such a big deal i was like i i was so like just so i confused i had no idea and then they brought her in and it was like okay i guess she can be a cool character but i would like the spawn of it all meant nothing to me but then you read 
that issue, read Spawn number nine, and Spawn and Medieval Spawn, which it's very funny to me that the the alternate hell spawns uh, that are like very popular are just like literally it's like night spawn, cowboy spawn, yep. and like I, what I don't know what the other ones are, but it's just like spawn, spawn with a cowboy hat. The ninja spawn. It's just like the simplest way of describing them, but yeah. they're super popular in the toy yeah. sell like gangbusters and, and good for them. <laughs> um, the one the one with the little cowboy hat just tickles me. But uh, but anyway, you can totally gunslinger, gunslinger spawn. Thank you. Specifically, you're right. Not cowboy spawn um, and Cagliostro, but it's just like there's such game and ideas you know and it's such a mm-hmm. game and comic where it's like clearly he created those characters <laughs> and it's i i don't know the ins and outs of it i haven't studied it enough but it feels like one of those things where tom mcfarlane has so much goodwill for me as someone fighting for creator rights mm-hmm. and as someone who found it and, and really got image going in the way that it has pushed for creator rights in its way for him to then be caught in a lawsuit about creator rights yeah. on characters game and almost certainly created you know and let's throw the air I, I forget you know who's it, mcfarlane's drawing these characters i guess yes um so that that complicates matters as well uh but yeah no just a, a really sticky messy situation early on in what would otherwise be just a really cool addition of world building to mm-hmm. the spawn mythos which again like the spawn mythology unquestionably mcfarlane's right like this is this is his baby like this is you know, it's it had its 300th issue, I think, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up to 300-something now, but it's, like, the longest-running, whatever you call it, creator-owned, you know, series of all time, yeah. right? It's it's McFarlane's Pride and Joy. So I can see why he wouldn't want to give anything up inside of that <laughs> because he'd be like, anything in Spawn is my thing. Um, I, I get that, I suppose. He made some interesting mistakes early on, and the fallout with that lawsuit is obviously one of them, and I'm pretty sure there was probably some rumblings with Gaiman pretty early on, like after that, because that lawsuit yeah. did go on for a long time. Um, yeah. And there's other instances like, okay, so Spawn is originally part of this larger Image universe. So when Image mm-hmm. Comics launched, all their different ones like Wildcats and Youngblood and Savage Dragon and Spawn were all part of the same universe. Uh, and that was part of the selling point is like, it's a brand new universe like Marvel and DC. And of course, that's And they mention the it a lot. Oh yeah, especially. comes up a fair amount. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, a lot of those series end. Um, Liefeld uh, is basically booted out of the company, although he would tell you that he quit. Um, and uh, an early instance is that Spawn finds out that the guy that killed him is, um, oh God, what's his name? Chapel. Chapel. That's right, because he goes, no, Chapel. Not, not a church. <laughs> uh, dramatic beat. Oh Chapel. <laughs> uh, who's a young blood. And so he's a, a creator. He's created by um, Liefeld, and so there's this big confrontation with him early on. But years later, when they ma- were making the movie, they had to have Spawn's origin. Now, you know, McFarlane didn't want to have anything to do with Liefeld having any stake in his movie anymore, especially after everything that happened. Chapel's not in it. It's now someone else uh, that killed him, and the comic retroactively tells you that. Chapel killing Spawn was actually a fake memory implanted in him by Hell. Mm. Even mm. though Chapel was like, "Yep, I totally killed you," like mm-hmm. in the comic, but he yeah, yeah. moved him out retroactively to get rid of that. Just like yeah. years later, this, I guess this is a spoiler. Angela dies in the comic, I think, dirt while the lawsuit is going on and stuff sure. like that, or like the Redeemer thing. It's and then the biggest thing is that there's a mob enforcer named Tony Twist, 
And Tony Twist is the name of a famous hockey player. And McFarlane was such a big fan of Tony Twist because McFarlane is Canadian, which is why he thinks that New York City is a hellhole, uh, that he named this mob enforcer Tony Twist. Years later, Twist sued him uh, for using his name and likeness and got millions and millions of dollars from him. <laughs> See, that feels like a bad break for McFarlane. Yeah. And he went into <laughs> ba- and, and McFarlane Productions went into bankruptcy for years. They fired, yeah. filed chapter 11, which is crazy. Um, yeah. Well, especially when you consider too, so like so these Spawn comics come out, right? And they're the hottest sellers in comics, but obviously that has faded, right? Like as we are in 2021 and you listening know something about the state of the world, you know, even though Spawn is making a renaissance this year, right? Mm-hmm. For the past 20 years, you know, this this was part of my confusion yeah. with the Spawn entity was like, it, it's not been a big deal. Um, but the thing that McFarlane did that is so genius, frankly, from a business sense, is he also, while this is coming out, like reinvented toys, yeah. <laughs> like basically like reinvented the toy industry. And, you know, the Spawn action figures and the whole McFarlane toys collection is just this like incredible force. So, yeah, the fact that they went through bankruptcy and and it took a long time to come out of it. And yeah. again, like I'm not a bankruptcy expert, but it was like clearly like from the business side of things took some major, major hits. You know, it's funny when you go through and lay out the history like that. I'm talking about this brilliant strategy of bringing in all these creators, but I wonder if you ask McFarlane, would you do that again? <laughs> if his answer would be absolutely not, because yeah. it, it created decades and decades of lawsuits. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, that that spawn is so interesting because, like, as a comic, you can talk about it and dissect it and talk about the the highs and the many many lows. But then it's such an important piece of this larger picture, right? Mm-hmm. The McFarlane Empire. So you know, you get. The McFarlane Toys is like obviously his biggest thing. It, you know, they've got huge contracts. They make most of DC's toys now, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, they revolutionized the adult toy collector market that wasn't really a thing before. They really um, stood out in the crowd because they were a lot more detailed and also were pretty gross. A lot of them were pretty gross. Um, a lot of hair, a lot of like realistic feeling hair on. Mm. <laughs> like there's a. They made an Austin Powers toy uh, uh, in his underwear, but he has a bushy chest hair that feels like real hair. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they became huge. And obviously that's where most of, you know, the Todd's money, I think, came from. Um, And then there was the the movie and the cartoon came out in the same year in 1997. So, like, even though the comics, you know, speculator boom had gone uh, bust, um, he was still you know, doing pretty well with every all the other aspects of the Empire for a while. But yeah, uh, Spawn number one sold like 1.5 million copies, I want to say. I think it was something around mm-hmm. there, if I'm remembering correctly. And then by issue like 100 to 150, it was selling like 20,000 copies. Sure, right. So it, that's a huge decline. Obviously, issue number two didn't also sell 1.5 million, but to go from like that high to like that low... Uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, like you were saying, there's a renaissance now, which is interesting. There because they hit issue 300, and people were like, "Oh yeah, Spawn, let's buy Spawn comics." Yeah, um, McFarlane wisely kind of built off that and um, spun off a bunch of stuff, uh, including this comic Spawn's Universe that sold really well, and now a second ongoing called King Spawn that sold really well, and now Spawn is sort of having like a comics renaissance to some degree, which is fascinating because. I don't think that I could find a single person to actually tell me um, what they thought about those comics. Well, and I think 
the fact that it's like back yeah. and that people are talking now about Spawn's universe and King Spawn and these things, that definitely it made me want to go and be like, okay, fine, I'll go read these Spawn comics. Right. Like, I, I just, it feels like this massive piece of comics history that I was missing, and mm-hmm. I'm generally interested in figuring out what those pieces are and, and at least giving them some time of day. But for some reason with Spawn, I guess I know the reasons. I guess with the image boom, you know, and they're, them very much templatizing what we think of when we think of 90s comics as a pejorative right in terms of all substance or all style no substance right and the the sort of trick with that or the the irony of that is McFarlane's spawn for being generally negative about it you know i do say like it's a pretty fun time as just sort of mindless superhero comics go um compared to the rest of the image lineup for me, it's definitely the best. <laughs> like, I like it a lot more than any of Liefeld stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like it uh, more than Jim Lee's Wildcats. You know, that's another series where, like, that got good when Alan Moore showed up and decided <laughs> he wanted to do a run on it, you know? That's so Which weird. is true for so many image properties. Yeah. It's crazy. Supreme as well, which Supreme is excellent, excellent comic. Um, but it's Spawn actually kind of stands on its own two feet in a way that I actually don't know that a lot of the rest of the image creative stuff does. Um, and I'm not an image expert, and I don't want to be. Uh, but <laughs> Spawn, this didn't Spawn convince does you? its part. <laughs> it did not convince me. No, like I said, like I, I thought I was just going to do the first trade. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I got to see what these other creators brought to it. And then after that, I was like, well, Grant Morrison's in the third volume, so I guess I got to see what they were up to. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was less about the McFarlane of it all, but it, it is an interesting experience and an interesting experiment. Um, and I'm kind of. I'm kind of still blown away by the fact that, like, McFarlane shows up and says Spawn's universe is coming, and the thing sells half a million copies yeah. in today's market. You know? Just, like, the sheer force, <laughs> the the ability that he has to just print money, essentially, with comics. Um, it, it's really amazing. And all the reviews I've seen of Spawn's universe are that it's, like, it has all the exact same problems as Spawn Number One did, um, <laughs> except now they're you know 320 issues into a thing and a lot more and spawns. trying to and there's a lot more spawns and there and some of them wear fun hats. But it's like it just seems like it's still just as bloated. There's still too much exposition. None of the writing stuff has gotten fixed. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I'm kind of like I don't. I, but then then I see a title like King Spawn and I'm like. I might want to read that. <laughs> right. Sounds like it could be fun. I you know? uh, I lurk, uh, for research, I lurk a lot on the Spawn Reddit. And yeah. uh, the people that are fans on the Spawn Reddit, they're huge Spawn fans. They're not talking about any issues that they have with the plot or anything. They're just... Ex- everybody shares that how many um, alternate uh, covers they bought. They're like, yeah. I bought every single alternate cover of King Spawn. I bought all 12. Yeah. You know, that's why... You know, if you've got a loyal fan base of 20,000, you know, 30,000 maybe, and they buy 12 different variant covers, now you're selling, you know, 200,000, 300,000 copies, like, pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. because they're all in on just... And it's the art, and it's the iconography of Spawn. I guess that's the most important thing about Spawn in the end. Why does he translate to a toy well? He looks really cool. He's got a good design. There's something kind of undeniable about that. I can yeah. critique, you know, the mythology or the meaning of it, if the lack of meaning of anything in Spawn, but the guy yeah. looks rad. And he looks rad yeah. drawn by a lot of different people. And there's little tweaks that happen over time. Like 
I don't think you got to the point where Spawn's costume gets kind of busted up, so it reformats itself. And now mm-hmm. his uh, spikes there, they don't have red anymore. He's all black. And mm-hmm. he's got a really big boot on his right foot for no reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it's a chunky Amazing. boot. Like, this yeah. thing, it's not even a heel. Like, it goes all the way flat to the ground, and then it just goes out like, like a V. <laughs> it's really big. And he's had that forever now. Like, like a cast. Got a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is like cast. It, and it's just a big boot. He's just got this big boot forever, and I love it. He looks cool, and you know, even in that crappy 1997 movie um, with the bad special effects, sometimes he looks really cool. You know, uh, and that's the yeah. thing is like I've never like having I'd never read a Spawn comic, I'd never seen the movie, I'd never watched the show. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly what Spawn looked like. Yeah. And I could describe you know basically all the details and the color scheme, right? Like, yeah. and you just have that sense of 90s cool uh, that Spawn definitely embodies. You know, you talked about the lack of messaging in the story, and it is funny. I mean, I think the only... I I was struck reading this, like, the takeaways of Spawn and Al Simmons as a character is really just, like, he's a big wife guy. Like, he really misses his wife. (laughs) Like, that's the whole story, you know, is, like, he sacrificed his soul (laughs) for her, he comes back and he just misses her. That's his whole story. That's it. It really like is. Like, he just misses his wife. I Man, now I'm so mad that I didn't put that in my video about Spawn. It really, Because he really is the ultimate wife guy. But what's funny, though, yeah. is that I think that the other message of Spawn is that life sucks. Like, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. world is like, to quote uh, Smashing Pumpkins, that the world is a vampire, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Because, like, the afterlife is terrible, and when you go there, like, you're just, like, ground up for usage by the higher beings, and the world is covered in goo. Like, the real world is covered in trash and goo and rats and worms. We spend most of our time in alleyways, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you know, with the homeless of New York. Like, there's definitely, there's very little glimpses into, like, higher society or upper... That, that to me, feels the most where... Because previously, like, when you read... Tom McFarlane Spider-Man stuff like that I was like oh he so badly wants to be Alan Moore you know and I, and I appreciate that ambition but it's like it's clearly just you know the writing isn't there the plotting isn't there um, but Spawn was the first time where I was like oh he he also wants to be Frank Miller yeah. maybe more maybe more than that actually because he really digs that hard-boiled noir yeah. and I think there's a again it's like a sort of appreciate what he's trying for there um, but it's it's that Miller's New York where it's yeah. just everything is awful all the time. Which is, you know? it's so funny because McFarlane doesn't seem like a negative guy. He doesn't seem like a dark no. guy. You know, he seems pretty appreciative of of his life and seems pretty positive. Um, but then like Spawn is so dark and but yeah the the noir like this book is crazy overwritten. Like mm-hmm. it's all mm-hmm. about the the images right, but it's just dialogue is just jammed into every nook and cranny of every panel and then you'll, so you'll this would be the this would be the dumbest project <laughs> but if ed brubaker would go back and rewrite every <laughs> issue of spawn i bet it would be incredible oh man <laughs> i bet it would be amazing right just this really sparse noir sprinkled throughout it letting the visuals sing yeah it'd be, it'd be an amazing comic that would be cool just criminal but spawn you know mm-hmm. it would be great mm-hmm. um but then you would have to restructure the panel so much because there's these giant splash pages. And I'm not joking. Like if you, if to anyone listening, if you haven't read Spawn, there'll be like six full paragraphs on one page. You oh, know? Yeah. oh yeah. Just boom, 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 all down the side talking about how 
Al Simmons is spawn and there's, everyone's plotting against him and he misses Wanda and Malvolja and Violator uh-huh. and all in the necroplasm and the world is darkness and it, it just recaps every issue. Every issue is a recap all the time. And then the mm-hmm. worst offender are the, the, the news talking heads. Yeah. And this is very Dark Knight Returns. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is like, if, if someone tried to discount the Miller influence, you would just show them that and be like, look at this. Yeah. Like, look, look at this. Because it's, there'll be a splash page and there'll be, oh my gosh, there's three newscasters representing kind of slightly different takes on the news. And right. each one has two images, like two TV screens for each one. So there's six TV screens. And next to each of them are these giant paragraphs of them just saying what has happened and they yeah. each say they each recap the same news with a yeah like different... the first time yeah you know i was kind of like oh, okay like i'll oh that's interesting mm-hmm. you know we're doing different yeah. different takes on it but then when you get yeah like 18 issues in and it's like okay i've seen these guys like six times yeah. this is like 15 minutes of the news from each of them mm-hmm. <laughs> like it would take so long <laughs> to read all of this yeah it's it's way too much it's just it's badly badly overwritten it could re- every I don't know how these, like, when they came in issue form, like, I guess this wasn't a popularized thing. But, again, just, like, an explainer page at the front of each comic. Yeah. So, McFarlane didn't feel like he had to do this catching up. I, I also do, I think there was a real, this is something I saw Kevin Smith write about um, in Green Arrow Quiver, mm. that early 2000s Green Arrow book. And I remember it very distinctly for some one reason or another. But he wrote about how... He's bragging about how much dialogue there is in this and basically saying, like, every page is stuffed to the brim with dialogue and how horrifying that sounds now, but how in his conception at the time, it was giving people bang for their buck, Mm. right? It was like, oh, you spent $2 on this. You want to be sitting reading it for 35 minutes at least, right? And there's there's this very funny artistic, like, negligence to that. But I, I wonder how much of that was McFarlane's thinking as well being like because he's a very i don't know like it, i think a big part of the reason for his popularity and for spawn's popularity is there seems like there's a genuine connection between him and fandom mm-hmm. where he like appreciates people who like his stuff and who like spawn in oh, a yeah. way that i don't know that you see from a lot of creators especially of his sort of stature and influence and i i, I wonder if that's part of the the way where he just can't get out of his own way in terms of being like, I'm going to give you everything I got. And then it's like, well, it actually would have been better if he didn't. Like, <laughs> it actually would have been better if we got 65% of this, you know? That's very true. Um, yeah, he totally, he's totally cool with fans. Uh, and I mean, like, okay, so it's September when we're recording this, which is Spawn Timber. Um, mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. uh, other YouTubers. I just want to give credit to Diego Rivera, who has a YouTube channel, who came up with Spawn Timber. My Patreon goal, I, I made sure to push to, to hit it to coincide. And, like, Todd McFarlane, like, responded to him and another guy saying, like, oh, Spawn Timber, I love it. Like, oh, seriously? Yeah, on Twitter. <laughs> like, awesome. he's yeah. just totally cool. Like, he's a t- he just, you know, he's, he's appreciative of the fans and seems like a cool guy. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, there's just so much dialogue. And the newscaster thing, it goes all the way through issue 100. Like, that. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Sometimes they take a break and they're not in maybe, like, six issues. And then they come back and they're still, yeah. you know, the same exact amount of words and uh, on the page. Um, it's, the, too, yeah. it's just too bad it's not better. I mean, truly, because yeah. it's like, it's such a nice looking comic book, <laughs> um, whether it's McFarlane or Capello or whoever. Yeah. Like, it's just, I, I feel like the production value and the sense of story 
being told visually, it's just so, so badly weighted down yeah. by by everything else, right? That that makes the story work. And it's just it, it's too bad because it's like I feel like you know, and you get this sense in the in the issues that aren't written by McFarlane, but it's like there's pot- a lot of potential here. Mm-hmm. Like the way more obviously Alan Moore is a legend. I think he's the best comics writer of all time. But like the way he steps in and just is like reinvents like circles of hell. Like it's yeah. not the traditional Dante's Inferno kind of yeah. like here's what each layer is. Like he really reconfigures and re um, imagines sort of what that might look like in a new landscape. And it's like if you had more ideas like that mm-hmm. in this book, it's a totally different thing. And it's this weird sci-fi supernatural horror um which again like you said early is never horrific um, maybe yeah. it gets that way it sounds like it gets a lot gorier which it gets gross it gets gross yeah you know not scary just gross yeah because it's i mean that was the thing we talked about with with mcfarland's venom too mm-hmm. where venom comes in as this big menacing figure in spider-man and there's a real menace to that character's introduction but there's also a lot of cartoonishness yeah in both in the visuals and in the literal actions in a way that the character's not actually scary, <laughs> you know? And Spawn kind of has that early on, too, where it's like even some of the the weirder, grosser stuff is so, I don't know, so overstated, yeah. so overblown. Violator to... ripping out hearts. Still, it's yeah. So, it's, so, yeah. it's so over the top. And But then I think Capullo is just a little bit more, um, I don't know, his details are just a little grosser just a little bit like less cartoony than McFarlane's, mm. especially later. And then McFarlane, I think, kind of ups the grossness in what he's writing. So you go from like, you know, the early issues, Spawn is acting like a more of a traditional hero or even anti-hero. Maybe he'll kill one or mm. two people every so often, right? Well, but, he, kills a, he kills a pedophile murderer, right? It's like the ultimate, like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you know, he stabs him to death. We're, with, a, we're absolutely on his side. Stabs him to death with popsicle sticks. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. then eventually he's like, tearing people apart and he's crucifying people for the sake just just because he doesn't like them and he's like he gets more and more messed up he gets like dismembered and has to be pulled back together and he's all like oh and Mm. then it's like his face gets ripped off so he's got like a skull face now because he just he gets grosser too he goes from being like oh i'm a little burnt up to like i'm just like just rotting basically yeah. uh, and then he has yeah. to, <laughs> he has to bathe himself in worms regularly because according <laughs> to according to this comic worms are the ultimate embodiment of evil forces in the world so you okay. can suck the evil out of them to regenerate yourself okay there's gotta a try picture that. of him he's pouring it's a full splash page spawns face and he's got mm. his mouth like wide open like ah and under the mask of course and he's uh-huh. pouring this giant bucket of worms all down himself but they're also covered in like green goo yeah yeah <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that happens in like issue 50 and beyond right okay so that's what that's what if i truly commit to spawn yeah Timber, and i think that just like left that, in store for that me. like image edginess you know was kind of going everywhere already mm-hmm. like marvel and dc were doing it too so i think mcfarlane was probably like okay i gotta get edgier like the people, what the kids? What do kids like? Kids like chains. Kids like edginess. We gotta, mm-hmm. we gotta up it. More, Absolutely, more chains, Absolutely. more edginess. Well, and that's the thing you see in the legacy of you know, in Marvel in particular, is 
this comic has influence, right? Image has influence. McFarlane's actions have influence. And that's why we see, you know, from 93 to 95, approximately 74,000 Venom limited series in Marvel. <laughs> like, there's no way that's not a reaction, both to cultural trends, but specifically to Spawn, right? And them being like, hey, we have a McFarlane creation who looks a lot like this. Like, we can drop, you know, all these gazillion limited series. Um, the, there's no way those two things are not now you will related. Be, you will be reading all of them for, for my Marvelous Year right (laughs) (laughs) you know i was actually i was going through and updating um the 94 and 95 list and the problem with those gazillion venom limited series is i i don't ever know which one to pick like they're all so similar in my mind that i i never but beyond lethal protector which sort of sets Mm -hmm. a status quo um they all all of them i'm like i bet one of these would be fun i just never know which one probably and i've asked Probably the one where he gets well, a I've bunch asked of the Venomaniacs in my life. Where he gets a bunch of tiny separation heads. anxiety, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. You know you know what is actually good um that is kind of related is there's a one shot called Carnage Mind Bomb from ninety six. That will be on the list because it actually <laughs> Donnie Donnie Cates, I think, referenced it as inspiration for absolute carnage at a con. And That's I was weird. Like, he was influenced oh, by a nineties comic? <laughs> it was the yeah i i broke that story he told me specifically uh, at this press conference and uh <laughs> and that one's actually pretty good but no the venom stuff i never know i never know um are they better than spawn though mm. uh i don't know i don't know is spawn better than every venom limited series honestly that's a tough challenge for me <laughs> i don't want to do the research on that i've done half, no, i don't think I've, anybody should have to. i've done here's half the thing the is that spawn definitely looks better Oh yeah, I guarantee that. Absolutely. I mean, isn't yeah. Lethal Protector Mark Bagley? At least it's got Bagley for the first one. Uh, maybe, I don't which remember. is great. But I, I've seen some of the other ones, and like, I looked at me like this is dire. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is yeah, this is no good. Um, so yeah, I would well, probably say Spawn maybe has the edge. <laughs> <laughs> power word, power word uh, belongs. All right, so Spawn, an interesting. Not just interesting, but like truly, truly significant piece of comics history, mm-hmm. especially if we're looking at the image boom in oh, the yeah. 90s. Um, I would actually, if people are like me and they're like, I've never read any of this, I feel like you could read maybe the first two issues of Spawn by McFarlane mm-hmm. and then jump to the second volume yeah, right away and get the interesting creative burst of energy from all those different uh different voices and maybe carry on through the morrison um how much if any spawn would you recommend through 100 issues to uh to to the new spawn i'd say about the same um it's interesting to read the first couple because the art is really good the art is of its time but it's also really high quality um it's got a great mood to it too especially the, the first few like i would say that there was several um comics worth of different images where I was just like, this is, this is actually really cool. Like I enjoy like looking at the detail and everything, whether it's, you know, full of panels or if it's just a splash page or if it's a, it's of a double page layout. Uh, pretty cool. Um, I'd say that reading some of those, yeah, those guest ones are interesting to see what's happening there. Um, the Dave Sims issue is fascinating. Um, it is. which is issue 10, uh, which is <laughs> spawn long, gets exploded i guess by a magical spear but then issue 10 issue 10 isn't in the origins collection it is yeah, right i don't know why maybe legal stuff 
uh, because it's the it's because there's those um those the images of the Marvel characters. Yeah, I think the copyright. Yeah, and then Spawn goes to this other circle of hell that was introduced but not explored by Moore before, and it's breaking the fourth wall. And in this circle are all the you just see these arms reaching out from this prison cell through the bars, and they're clearly a bunch of Marvel and DC characters. Like you can just <laughs> you can obviously tell from the arms. And on the other oh, side yeah. are all these anonymous people with you know their hands tied behind their back and bags over their their heads and it is it is sims and mcfarland saying these are all the characters and creators in comics history that have sold their character rights to marvel and dc now they live in eternal imprisonment but spawn is the most powerful being and and cerebus shows up for a few pages too and spawn is powerful and is more powerful than any of them and Superman, <laughs> Superman gives him his power too. Superman is like, mm-hmm. "Take my power. You are now more powerful than I am." It's very pretentious. Um, yeah. But even with all that power, he can't, he can't free them, uh, even though he desperately wants to. But he has this weird afterlife, and then issue eleven is like, "Oh, that was a weird dream." But it's this interesting. <laughs> oh, and then it says, uh, "Forever." At the the very the final giant panel in the the con in the issue is forever. You know a. Spawn is owned by Todd McFarlane. Cerebus is owned by Dave Sims. And it's them being like, we are more powerful because we own our creation. And this is why, mm-hmm. you know, McFarlane created Image. And it's like, it's this crazy comic, but it just tells you everything that was going on with them at that exact moment. Yeah. And when you combine that with just looking into Image, it's a really fascinating read. And Spawn itself is just an interesting glimpse into how comics were changing in the 90s because um, it's really the, the flashpoint there. Um, and then I, I, it's so interesting to, to, to see the legacy of McFarlane still going, both in his own Spawn universe and just image and creator-owned comics becoming a really important thing. And, you know, just like the other month, we got Substack coming in, um, giving creators, you know, their own new avenue for uh, creator-owned comics and mm-hmm. image, you know, forging that path uh, is, is really, really vital to the, the history of the comic book industry. Um, yeah. I don't think that we would be anywhere where we are now without image comics and Spawn being as popular as it was helped solidify image comics because it sold, it sold way more than, than all those other uh, foundational oh, yeah. comics. Oh yeah, it did. It did insanely well. One of my favorite comics, "What Ifs," "What If" being all the rage these days, is um, "What If Image." The Image founders hadn't been able to like get like break everything through, mm-hmm. like get all seven of them on board. You know, because if you watch like the documentary, listen to interviews, it's like you know it's kind of touch and go. Like some some guys might have waffled. You know, what if they what if they got cold feet right and it didn't happen? Because then it's, we'd have this weird universe of like. Jim Lee on X-Men from 93 to 95 and you know like just a totally different landscape of comics um, but obviously I think in the grand scheme of things for creator rights and and for what Image has been able to produce you know especially in the, the modern era the 2010s right it's amazing amazing comics um, I, I have a question for you Spawn related the counter the, the countdown that's like the weird oh. four digits what is that oh, <laughs> what is happening there <laughs> it's, a, it's very clear it's made very clear uh, is it? <laughs> okay, maybe not. The counter <laughs> is Spawn's necroplasm counter. Now, Spawn is made out of his 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 now undead body, which isn't his original body because Al Simmons' original body is still buried. 
is made mm-hmm. out of necroplasm, which is this also health- also a black man, and then he's this body's white as like oh like, my I think god. the demon's idea of a of a prank maybe oh my god and maybe maybe a really I didn't want to remember we white we don't need spawn. to step in at this point oh yeah. that <sighs> okay let's go on <laughs> back, back to the necroplasm. no no, no we gotta talk moment. about whites white Al Simmons for a second. He, uh, he, he uses his power to try and turn himself back into a normal human form early. Mm. In, I think it's like issue two or something or three. Yeah. And he turns into a white guy, even though he's black Al Simmons, which is cool yeah. that there's this leading black character, the Spawn movie, one of the first black-led superhero films after, I think, like Blank Man and um, Meteor Man, I think, which aren't original, which are original creations. But, um, and that came out before Blade, too. But he tries to turn himself back into Al Simmons using his hell power, and he can only turn mm-hmm. himself into this blonde white guy. And there's no yeah. explanation. There's no explanation at all, ever. It, there's no point, and McFarlane quickly, quickly drops that and doesn't talk about it yeah. anymore. But decades Probably later, wisely. decades later, after oh. Spawn has had this Armageddon arc, and the entire, finally, the whole narrative of Spawn has come to a climax with this battle between heaven and hell on Earth. Um, God and Lucifer and actually the higher being who's this all-mother that created them have this giant cataclysmic war. All of Earth is destroyed. Spawn becomes this ultimate embodiment of what he was supposed to be. He grows angel wings. He's filled with all this power because he's the chosen one. He rebirths the entire world, but he gives them memory of the rapture that happened and all of humanity is reset. All this stuff happens. And then a few years later, because this comic was getting stale, but McFarlane still wanted to keep going, even though it, it reached the climax of the story, Spawn blows his head off. He kills himself. And there's a new Spawn. And the new Spawn is this blonde white guy. And apparently, Aww. this this guy has been in a coma the entire time that Al Simmons was around. And apparently, he, that's, that's who he briefly transformed into. <laughs> That's the guy from, That's from the second issue? That, that he took on his likeness for whatever reason. And it obviously wasn't a plan in the plans originally. And that guy becomes the you new spawn. What? what a complicated mess. I am here for someone 150 issues into a run saying, let's call back to issue two. <laughs> yeah. Actually, but, that actually kind of rules. Yeah. But uh, I don't know about the specifics. And of then it. this guy becomes spawn for a long time. But then Al Simmons comes back and this guy goes back into his coma. And Al Simmons is now spawn again. And back and forth and all this sort of stuff because the Spawn comic keeps like coming to its natural conclusion and then McFarlane keeps um, going because he he's won- like uh, he's got the he's got the Joe DiMaggio, Joe DiMaggio streak you know yeah it's like he got or the Cal Ripken streak yeah. maybe is a better example <laughs> feat of endurance except he he definitely missed a lot of issues um, and okay so Still the, counts. the <laughs> necroplasm counter is yeah, Spawn no, is it starts at 9 colon 9 colon 9 colon 9 uh-huh. Nine, yeah. nine, 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 nine. Looks appears like some sort of doomsday clock, right? Is it? It seems to be counting down or something. It but. is counting down the amount of necroplasm he has within him. He has a finite amount of energy that he can use that, that his hell power with, and mm-hmm. when he reaches zero, he will die, and he'll be sucked back into Malbolge's realm, where he will be enslaved as part of his army, and so okay. every hellspawn gets sent to Earth, where they tormented by living you know a new life and remembering their old life using up their necroplasm getting turned into a, a soldier in his army and that i don't why doesn't he just make them a soldier when they're already in hell i don't know there's no point um but <laughs> when the necroplasm counter runs out your hell spawn becomes uh you know enslaved to malbolgia 
And so okay. in the early issues, like that necroplasm counter goes all the way down, right? Like mm-hmm. it goes from like 9,999 to like 6,500 in like 15 issues. And then, yeah, it's moving. Yeah, yeah. And then Spawn is like, oh, I got to stop using that. Like, oh, wait, my Venom costume can do all this stuff too. And I'll just use a bunch of guns. And so he stops using that. And then the necroplasm counter just like slows to a crawl for like all this time. It finally hits zero at like issue 160 during this climactic Armageddon wow. arc. It finally hits zero. Okay. As he's killed by <laughs> as he's killed by Judas. Judas Iscariot of the Bible. The Judas. Uh, yeah. The Judas. Uh, who is Judas, but also there's another real Judas who is actually secretly Cogliostro. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, why did I... I just, I'm just purging. I love that you I'm, can explain all this. I'm purging yeah. this from my mind right now. Get, get it out. Get it out. It's September. <laughs> this is the time. Um, and then he goes into the afterlife, but then this like all-mother basically refills him with energy and he's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And that's what the necroplasm counter is. And that's, you know, in those comics, you got the counter throughout a lot of it. It eventually doesn't, it doesn't matter for like a really long time because I think McFarlane was like, oh, my counter and like how long I want this comic to go on is totally out of sync. Like I got to just stop. And then whatever. It's bad. And here we are. It's not in the, it's not in the movie. It's not in, in the cartoon and the, in the movie, it sucks. It's terrible. But it has a way more coherent storyline than the comic. You get mm. the origin up front. You, he finds out about Jason Wynn. He has a confrontation with Wynn and Violator. He goes to hell and fights Malbolgia. And it's some of the worst CGI you will ever see. It's this copy-pasted, extremely like paper-flat CGI with yeah. a lot of flames. You shouldn't be doing CGI flames in the mid-90s. But the cartoon's pretty good. Uh, it's actually the best of, of all the these stories. It's solid. It's not written by McFarlane at all. It's very moody, uh, and it has like a decent like narrative to it. So, if okay, okay. you want, I am, more spawn, I'm tempted to watch the to the animated series. Yeah, it's actually. on HBO I've Max. Pretty good things about it. It's yeah. it's very solid. And cool. Don't ask me any more questions about Spawn. I'm gonna go off on another <laughs> we'll another uh, just go yeah, everywhere. Another hour with Spawn info. Okay, this is great, Matt. That was. Excellent spawn analysis. Um, I, I think we gave our recs. I think you know people will people either already know or uh, or they're ready to get on board the spawn train here. Uh, Matt, where should people look for you? Where can they find your work? Sure, you can find me on YouTube, uh, just under my name, Matt Draper, where I talk about comic books and movies, and those are mostly the two things these days, I think. But uh, yeah, uh, video games sometimes. Sometimes right? they're a lot. Sometimes, they're really yeah. difficult to make videos on. You gotta like play them. So can I t- can I tell you something you'll appreciate because you've you've recently spawned a little one as well <laughs> as have I is uh, so this Pat's paternity leave I uh, I exclusively played two games that I've been meaning to play for a long time with the little one who when he would fall asleep I would I would sit down and play <laughs> on the PlayStation and uh, I got through God of War oh nice and I got through Fallout Four both games very father-son heavy <laughs> yes and i did not plan that <laughs> i did not plan that but especially during god of war oh yeah the emotions were running hot emotions were running hot and heavy um <laughs> also amazing game i enjoyed it i haven't played it i've heard great things i only have oh, a stupid so nintendo switch can't okay. can't possibly okay. run god of war it would, <laughs> even if they ported it over it would it would just that, that system would just burst into flames. yeah yeah 
No, for sure. There'd be a, there'd be a, at a minimum a fail safe. Um, all right. So Matt, we got your info. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes as well. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, again, we'll be back with regularly scheduled my marvelous year programming through Marvel comics. As soon as uh, we have words with Ultron, uh, it's going to be a few minutes. Uh, you can find all of our work over at patreon.com slash my marvelous year to support the show. Uh, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comic book Herald, pretty much anywhere on social and comicbookherald.com. For more, thanks everybody for listening, and as always, we'll see you next year. Spawn you next year.